Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Inside Pass. This week, uh, we have Anthony Alfredo going to be joining us here momentarily. Anthony, uh, part of the RCR Xfinity Series driver lineup. My name is not Randy Miller. My name is Tom Baker. Randy is not here today. Um, He continues on work assignments. Should be back, we hope, in the studio next week for next week's Inside Pass. Um, And uh, we've got a a good couple of shows coming up to finish off October. But uh, just me today and Fast Pasta going to be joining us here in just a minute. Um, And looking forward to talking to Anthony, knowing him a long time and really excited about uh, what he's been able to accomplish so far in his young and still burgeoning NASCAR National Series career. And, of course, we've also got uh, a race from last week to talk about. We've got a race coming up this week to talk about. We've got, um, I want to get in a little bit of local uh, series news because we've got two series here in the Carolinas area with big races this weekend. So I want to tell you about those before um, we're done here on the Inside Pass today as well. So again, welcome to the show. Um, I think, do we have Nakia? Do we have Anthony on the line? Yes, we do. Okay, Anthony Alfredo, good to have you back in the Inside Pass. Uh, Look forward to chatting with you today. And congratulations on what has been a really, really, I feel like a really uh, good first uh, season in the Xfinity Series with RCR. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be back on the show, and it definitely has been a very exciting year so far. I'm just so thankful for everyone who's helped get me to this point. Obviously, I'm nowhere near where I want to be yet in my career, but to be competing even just on a partial uh, partial schedule for Richard Childress Racing, one of the most iconic and well-respected organizations in the sport at a level like the NASCAR Xfinity Series is a huge opportunity to, to prove myself and and hopefully uh, secure a full-time ride so I can go compete for a championship next year. So we've had a lot of great partners on the car all year long, and, um, and I've got an amazing group of friends and family supporting me and that have helped get me here and pushed me to get here. So just try to take full advantage of the opportunity every time I can, whether it's on the track or off the track. And it seems to have been paying off so far this year. I've got two more shots to win a race before the year's out this weekend at Kansas Speedway in my Andy's Frozen Custard Chevrolet Camaro, and then at Texas Motor Speedway the following week in my Maestro's Beard Butter Chevrolet Camaro. So as long as we're as fast as the internet, I might be able to snag a, a win before the year's out, which is definitely a goal of mine. I'm going to give uh, Anthony a ding for uh, just flawless sponsor mentions in the opening statement, just the way somebody taught him to do it. Okay, I want to talk about uh, uh, Andy's frozen custard for a minute, Anthony, because you've known me a long time. You know I love food. Um, so tell us a little bit about how that all came about, because uh, that's a really interesting sponsor you got. Yeah, so it's actually definitely uh, came about from my relationship with Austin Dillon as a teammate at Richard Childress Racing, and he does oh. a lot of collaboration with Andy's Frozen Custard as well, and me being a part of the, the TDM, Team Dillon family, uh, we had the opportunity to take that to a primary sponsorship of my NASCAR Xfinity Series car, and I'm incredibly grateful for that, and 
coincidentally, one has just been built down the road from where I live. So I've been going over there fairly regularly and, and to have all this come about. It was perfect timing. And I'm just thankful for Andy and everyone on the Andy Spurs and Custard team. It's going to be a pleasure to represent them this weekend, and I hope to make them proud. You're going to have to uh, put in some extra time in the gym now if you're doing a lot of frozen custards. Oh, absolutely. I've been, <laughs> I've been using it for a little bit of extra energy for this weekend, and uh, it'll definitely be our, our, our winning celebration treat if we, if we were able to get a win. I'd love to celebrate with some frozen custards in victory lane. Well, I'll tell you what. You've, you've had speed all year in the car, and you know I feel like – that obviously you've had some great finishes and you've also had a few that, um, you know, situations develop beyond your control and, you know, the result didn't match the performance. Um, but overall, I feel like this has been a great first year. How does, if you kind of look back from here, you know, to the beginning of the season, how does what has been your reality match what your expectations were coming in? That's a great question. And I definitely think where we're at right now in the season is where I had hoped to be or, or, you know, maybe expected to be, but I definitely didn't expect to start the year off as strong as we did. Obviously, I was side-by-side side for fifth of the line in my debut in the NASCAR yeah. Xfinity Series where uh, we also finished sixth just by a little bit, um, but we finished sixth since then uh, five more times. <laughs> so that's been pretty wild because if I was one spot better all those finishes, I would have uh, finished in the top five the majority of my starts, which is definitely a pretty cool stat, and regardless of that, um, just to be up front and leading laps as a part-time rookie is is a big deal, and I didn't even realize how significant that was while I was doing it. I've just been uh, gotten a lot of very nice compliments and praise from significant people in the sport, which means a lot and makes me even more motivated to go out there and, and do my best and try to be that much better the following week. So I've definitely been learning each and every week, and that's been my biggest goal this year, to be honest with you, is just to progress and get better each and every week and I feel like we have done that there might have been a a couple races during the summer that weren't our best and and definitely uh to be honest with you I feel like any week that didn't really go well for us so far has been because of things out of our control whether it was some sort of mechanical issue um something that happened on the track but other than that I I think we've done a tremendous job as a team to do all we can with the things that are in our control to put ourselves in contention to uh, have solid finishes, run up front, and, and be there when it matters most. So I'm really proud of that effort. And to grow as a whole team is a big deal, especially with Andy Street. It's his first year being a crew chief, and him and I click really well. We've got great chemistry as well as uh, with Derek Nealon up on the spotter stand. We all get along well. And this whole 21 team is, is a group of hardworking individuals that want to win as bad as I do, which is definitely the key to success. Well, I feel like the level of consistency certainly been there, which is pretty amazing. And I mean, you have you you didn't have as many reps, so to speak, or as much seat time in, for example, the ARCA series or the even the truck series as maybe some other drivers have before they've gotten to Xfinity. Um, talk about the jump to Xfinity and what it's been like for you and kind of the level of competition and the difference in driving the cars and all that. What what kind of real adjustment was it for you to come up out of the truck series so soon and go to Xfinity in a car like uh, the 21 car, which obviously is one of the top cars on the circuit, but I'm sure that comes with at least a little bit of self-induced, if not necessarily uh, – you know, team-induced pressure to perform well right out of the box. Absolutely. There's a lot of different 
aspects to that. And I think that the, there's been a lot of challenges coming into the season and throughout the year. And number one that comes to my mind is you mentioned it. The competition standpoint is way higher than any level I've ever competed at yeah. before. You can run a near perfect race or, or pretty much a perfect race and still finish fourth or fifth. And in every other level I've competed in, if you ran a perfect race, you likely won the race. So um, to, to be competing somewhere where it's that competitive is what makes it that much more rewarding when you run well because it's so difficult to finish up front, win races, and, and put a whole race together. And I think we've gotten to the point where we all kind of know where we are as, as fellow team members as far as our communication and, and what we're all looking for and trying to do each weekend. And now it's been up to me to, to take advantage of everything I learned and apply those things so that I can put a whole race together. And what that means is just minimize any sort of mistake, understand, you know, as the rubber lays down on a track, how to search for new lanes, find grip and, and to search for clean air and, and all those things that are uh, just, you know, all those things add up, right? A bunch of little things add up and ultimately become the deciding factor in whether or not you win a race. So that's definitely been the biggest thing for me. And coming out of the truck series, I've, I've run almost double the amount of truck series. By the end of this year, I'll have run almost double the amount of truck series races I had just in the Xfinity series. So that's pretty uh, pretty wild to think. And there's definitely a lot of people who told me when I was moving up from uh, K&N, now the ARCA series, ARCA E series, yeah. uh, to truck. I wasn't ready. And you bet that those people didn't think I was ready to get into an Xfinity car. But it's definitely been rewarding and pretty cool to prove a lot of those people wrong because this has been arguably one of the best years of my career and I'm just trying to keep it that way and I know a win would be an even bigger deal for sure. Well, those uh, those people didn't know what I know about you, which is how uh, adaptable and how much of a quick learner you are and just how intelligent you are. And uh, I think that's you've got to be able to so much of this, especially in today's racing at that level, seems like ingestion of information about, you know, arrow and whatever else is going on. You've got it's not just getting in and sort of driving by the seat of your pants. There's a lot of pre-race prep that goes on and a lot of conversation even during the race that that just kind of goes beyond whether you should be going low or high definitely there's a there's a lot of different aspects this level behind the wheel as a driver that you need to be able to to uh adapt to and that's one thing that that's helped me is the people i have around me obviously as you mentioned earlier this one of the most competitive cars in the field and teams uh in the series so for me Knowing that, uh, I, I definitely set the bar high for myself because I think I have all the tools needed to succeed. And to be honest with you, I, the, the biggest thing I've lacked this year is seat time, <laughs> not being able to run every <laughs> right. week, not having practice or qualifying due to the current COVID-19 regulations and uh, much more. So to, to just, just do our best every week and keep the fenders on it, finish races. And um, I'm not even just going to say finish on the lead lap. I'm saying finish well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I know sure. we we can do that. We have the tools, the people, and Derek Nealon on the spotter stand, man, he worked with uh, Tyler Reddick um, through his championship seasons, and, and now he's working with him on the cup side, which has opened the door for him to, to help a young driver like myself, which has definitely been a, a big thing because you have someone with so much experience like Tyler that um, Derek helped not only coach but see and, and learn from himself, and Derek's got so much experience. He's done a amazing job for me as far as helping me through those situations you mentioned when you see a car who's maybe not 
leading the race, but a little bit further back, making time running somewhere and coming up through the field, whether that's on the top, the bottom, or, or a different lane, yeah. right? You need to try it. Um, and to be honest, one thing I've learned is sometimes your car isn't capable of doing those things or, or you just can't find speed in the places other people do. And you don't want to waste too much time trying to make it work or, or trying to adjust the car to make it faster in a certain uh, locations on the racetrack because when you do that you can ultimately hurt yourself in the end with, when you have you know maybe a dominant group so uh, I definitely have to uh, focus on learning that part of things and uh, be continuing to be adaptable but also understand that sometimes there's certain uh, part of a race that you need to focus on to be better in the long run because ultimately the the most important part of the race is the end obviously when it comes down to the last lap for sure. Okay, uh, we are chatting with Anthony Alfredo on the Inside Pass today, and we are going to step away for a moment or two. And uh, when we come back, more with Anthony Alfredo as the Inside Pass continues from WSIC Studios in Statesville, North Carolina. We will be right back. Hello, race fans. This is Chris Wright. Thanks for listening to these guys. Man, what some great radio hosts. You're listening to the Inside Pass. <laughs> Welcome back to the Inside Pass as we continue uh, our show for this week. Anthony Alfredo is our guest. My name is Tom Baker, and I'm joined in the studio by Nikea James, our uh, ace producer here at WSIC, and we're talking motorsports. Uh, for those of you who are listening to this on WSIC, it is, of course, Saturday morning as you listen, uh, part of the 90-minute horsepower hour uh, coming up next after this show on WSIC Radio is uh, Lenny Batiki and PRN's At The Track, and uh, looking forward to listening to that as well. If you're watching this show uh, on the live stream, it is, of course, Wednesday afternoon as we record this, and so Anthony's been gracious enough to join us, and we are excited to continue talking with him. Anthony, um, I think about the teammates that you have in terms of drivers that share the 21 car with you, um, Myatt Snyder, and you've also had Kaz Grala in the car uh, a few times. And again, I feel like there's a lot of commonality in sort of archetype between you. You're very marketable. You both, you all have very big brains, um, you know, all able to learn and adapt. How is the, it, how and what has been the communication between the uh, the drivers that are involved with the car. Do you guys uh, compare notes, compare data, uh, communicate it all through the season? How does that work, for example, when maybe you're in the car but they're not or, you know, vice versa? How does it work for you when you're not in the car but one of them is? I definitely do my best to try to communicate with uh, my teammates when I'm not in the car because if I'm going to go run full-time next year, some of those tracks I'm not running at that they are, I want to get a little bit of a heads-up about, right, and have sure. a better understanding of what to expect and how our cars drive there. Ideally, I'm trying to obviously work with the same team and same uh, same organization next year. So to know how our equipment drives and handles and what our team bought at a certain track or, or what made us very competitive, uh, it's definitely very important. So the better we communicate, the more important, especially uh, en route to try to secure an owner's championship for RCR and Richard Childress himself. But unfortunately, I believe we were knocked out of the round of eight um, head after the Roval. So that was definitely um, tough. We barely missed it, to my knowledge. So 
we're definitely disappointed mm. about that, but that's not going to keep any of us from working our hardest to try to get a win before the year's over for this 21 team and RCR as a whole. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to is now it's like, okay, well, you know, heck, let's just go race for wins, which, you know, there's always that prevailing theory that if you race every race to win every race, the points somehow take care of themselves. So um, now that, you know, maybe you're you're not in consideration for that owner's championship, there's there's no goal left, really, other than let's go win every race that we're in, right? Absolutely. That's, that's the mindset for sure. And I have two races left, and then I believe after that, there's only two left uh, from there on out, which is Martinsville and Phoenix, and I know Maya will be in the car for those. So uh, four chances for our team as a whole to, to try to secure a victory. And I think for myself and my career, I definitely love to get one of my two starts as well. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Um, this has been, uh, obviously, a real strange year. I mean, very, very different in the sense of, obviously, we had the lockdown. You started the season, then it stopped, you know, on a dime. And um, then it, it started to come back. But the, the, the tracks were all sort of messed up because you had to run, you know, more one track or whatever to sort of deal with all of the COVID as you were coming out of that. Um, And and then it's only been kind of lately that you've been back to what what constitutes somewhat of a normal schedule. Um, What's it been like for you as a driver to have to deal with the start and stop and all the different, uh, you know, maybe we're racing on a Thursday or a Tuesday or a Monday or a, you know, how, what's it? Cause you guys are all creatures of routine and habit. So what's it been like for you to have to deal with that aspect? And also of course, not having the crowds for at least uh, a majority of the races until lately. It's not easy at all. And, and to point out, I wish the fans were there. I know we've had them at a couple tracks, which has been, uh, a true blessing and a phenomenal experience because I always tell people it hasn't been the same without them, but to have them back, even a limited number made you realize even more how, how uh, weird it is without them there yeah. and how much less hype there is at the track, the excitement level for not only the drivers, but of course the fans actually being there in person. So um, I think the one I ran where they were, where we had fans was Bristol and, there's nothing more electric than having fans in the stands at Bristol, uh, the last great Coliseum where it provides some of the best sure. racing uh, at the national level. So that was really cool. And it's been, you know, definitely unfortunate not to have fans at the racetrack every week and not have my parents there. My dad's never missed a race until this year. My mom has missed, I can count on one hand how many she missed. So it's been difficult to not have our partners there either. And, uh, limited numbers of, of team members, but we're making do and trying to do our best to put on great shows for the fans that are watching at home on TV. Uh, and I think uh, we've been done a good job of that as a series and as a as a sport. So it's definitely been exciting in that sense. But it has been difficult as a driver not having practice or being able to qualify has probably been the biggest challenge to overcome because with the, the new algorithm they put in place and before that the random draw, we just straight up had horrible luck the random draw i seem to be yeah. either out out of 12 i could be i was 12 every time yeah 11 and um before that we weren't even in the the top 12 in points when it was based on points so i was actually uh the following split would be 13th through 24th i believe and i seem to be between 20th and 24th every week too so that was definitely very frustrating to overcome just by just randomness i guess you could say and uh then we finally made the, the top 12 and like i said still didn't make it much better for us but after that um they had the performance-based algorithm which was definitely helpful 
uh, because when we ran well, we were rewarded for it by starting well the following week. But when you have a driver swap, that would take away from that. So if I ran, I was out of the car and I got back in the car and, and maybe the race in between where I wasn't in the car didn't go super well, uh, you know, you, you kind of have to take the heat for that. You don't get to start up front. Or even if it did go well, um, like it has a couple times, because of the driver swap, you, you automatically have to start X amount of spots worse. So um, that's been challenging. And then obviously just the last you get in practice at a track, you're trying to figure out the track, what you need in the car, and where you stack up in the whole first day. So taking advantage of simulator time with Chevy and all the engineers at RCR as well as uh, the comfort of my own apartment on my driving simulator on iRacing has been more important than ever. So I've definitely been trying to take full advantage of that to best prepare myself for all of these races. Has there been anything about this year in terms of your, you know, your move to Xfinity? Has there been anything that you learned this year that has surprised you? That's a, that's a difficult question to answer because there's probably a handful of things. And right off the top of my head, I'd say the first one that comes to mind is, um, I've been surprised with myself in the sense that with no practice and no qualifying, um, competing in a series I've never competed in, at tracks I've never been to, in a new car I've never driven, as uh, in my head sounds like a very, very tall order. I think many people would say it is. But somehow, it's just it's, to be honest with you, it's worked very well. Obviously, when you, at this level, when you, you start further back in the pack, that track position crucial and it's, and it's very hard to overcome that um, without some sort of off-sequence strategy and such. That being said, we've still gotten up there and ran up front and when we get to start up front, it's that much makes our job that much easier. We just got to stay there and maintain that track position and to sail it off into turn one uh, and not really know what to expect has worked out for us so far and I think to be honest with you, I've, one thing I've learned is I'm a little bit of maybe an overthinker so to speak and um, overanalyze things. I think that's why I started studying engineering in school. <laughs> and when, I, when I'm behind the wheel of a race car with absolutely no certainty of what's going to happen in turn one, I think it actually maybe helps me in a little bit of a way because uh, you just got to go out there and do it. And you can't think about it. You don't know what's going to happen. So you just, you just go send it, literally. <laughs> and uh, it's worked out pretty well for us so far. And the funny thing is I only ran one race before quarantine. So I only had practice for one race all year, and that was my debut. Wow. And out of two practice sessions, we only got one because in the second one, uh, competitors' engine blew up and they oiled the track down. So I only got one practice session, qualified, and raced. And since then, I've never practiced or qualified again. So it's, if you had told me that was going to be the case in the beginning of this year, I would have been in shock. I wouldn't have known what to think about this year, but – seems to be the new normal for us and we've just had to adjust for it and uh and make it work with my fans hat on i love that aspect because i love the fact that i think that it equalizes the competition to a degree because everybody's going into turn one not knowing what's going to happen um and so the teams that have the most resources that can utilize the practice to tune in their cars the best um you know, those those teams, some of them seem to struggle, whereas, you know, other teams seem to do better with this format. And looking ahead to next year, I, I see 
uh, where it looks like the Cup Series, at least, is going to run a number of races next year without, you know, practice. Uh, and and so um, I don't know if, you know, how that's all going to work out for the Xfinity Series, but I feel like maybe that's something that um, at least for a, a number of races could be carried forward um, into, you know, future years. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I know um, when I had watched some of the races, even up until this point in time, when I'm not in the car, or whether it's the Cup Series races and I'm watching, I thoroughly enjoy seeing them compete with no practice because, like you said, it does even out the playing field, so to speak, for some drivers and, and teams. And uh, even putting that aside, I think it just makes the racing more exciting because yeah. at this level, everyone's a professional and you see guys make mistakes that they don't typically make, which as a fan makes the race more exciting and, and maybe there's, there's more action for them. As a driver, I even think it's more exciting, too. And, and I mentioned before how I think it's given me a little bit of an advantage, actually. And that kind of gives me confidence going into the race weekend because I think I've been able to, to perform well and adapt to this situation. So I, I like it as a driver and one side of things. I, I know on the other side that it would help to be able to fine-tune the car before the race and qualify for our starting position and, and just get overall experience for myself. Uh, but it's still like I said, gone well, and I've just been trying to make the most out of that situation, and it seems to be working for, in our favor so far. We're uh, coming up on another break, Anthony. Do we have the luxury of uh, being able to hold you for one more uh, segment here and talk a little more with you? Unfortunately, we do not today because I have to get going and get prepared for Kansas this weekend, but it's been a true pleasure being on the show, and I really hope to do it again soon, especially if it's after uh, we get to take home a checkered flag and a trophy. Well, uh, I think I could speak for Randy on this one, that if you uh, if you go to Kansas and win or you go you go win a race, uh, there's a spot for you on the next Inside Pass show for sure. And if we don't have one here, we'll put you on one of the other Race Chaser shows for sure. Well, we'll definitely take you up on that offer if uh, we're in that situation, and that's what we're going to plan on doing. Well, they call him Fast Pasta for a reason. Uh, that is Anthony Alfredo, and uh, thanks, Anthony, for taking the time to talk with us on the Inside Pass today, and good luck in your last two starts of the year. We look forward to seeing the results. Thank you. That's Anthony Alfredo. We are going to step aside. When we come back, we'll have more of the Inside Pass. Right around the turn, stay with us. Welcome back to the Inside Pass as we continue with uh, another, uh, well, we've got about uh, 30 more minutes, 20, well, about 20 minutes left of race talk here for another week. How fast these shows go by. My name is Tom Baker. Randy Miller is not here today. We expect him back next week. Uh, in the studio, I believe. Uh, but either way, I will be here to hold the fort down regardless. Uh, and we appreciate you joining us for the show. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Anthony Alfredo. I've known Anthony quite a while. Just um, really a, an outstanding young man with uh, a great character. And uh, he is definitely very marketable uh, and a lot of fun to be around, too. He's, uh, you know, he's fun to talk to. Uh, works really well with his teammates. And uh, so, you know, great to uh, be able to give him some time and uh, to watch him grow into his part as a uh, an Xfinity Series racer because that is a big stage. The only stage bigger is Cup. Um, okay, so 
Let's talk a little bit first, before we get into more NASCAR stuff, let's kind of divert from that for a moment. I want to talk about some local stuff that's going on that uh, y'all might want to know about. There are two series uh, that are running major events this weekend in the Carolinas area. So those of you, uh, obviously, if you're uh, listening to this show on WSIC's uh, group of stations, it is Saturday morning. So if you're looking for some entertainment tonight and you want to go check out a race, um, there are a couple of choices. Now, um, you know, of course, uh, not every track is allowing fans, but I think uh, this Saturday I'm pretty sure Hickory Motor Speedway is for the fall brawl, uh, no, uh, don't take that literally, we hope. Anyway, I don't think anybody's going to fight, but you never know. It happens occasionally. Uh, but this is their, their last big race for the year. Um, and not only do we have the late model stocks and the limited late models, and I think the street stocks all uh, running fall brawl races, but we have uh, on the docket as well the Carolina Pro Late Model Series uh, coming to Hickory Motor Speedway. And that should be huge. Now, that's a, a, a new series. If you haven't had a chance to get out to a track and see them, these are not NASCAR late model type cars. They're more of a super late model car um, with uh, some restrictions, uh, which is why they're pro late models. Um, and uh, this series has been a, a real successful series out of the box. Brand new series, Keith Graham. Um, who is a, well, I don't even want to call him a former racer. He might want to race again, but uh, Keith has been a racer and he decided to start a pro late model series this year uh, tour, if you will. And it's been hugely successful, uh, especially if your name is Carson Quapple because he's won every race, but one Nick Loden uh, got the win at orange County, but uh, everywhere else uh, has been a Carson Quapple race. And, so should be interesting this weekend, the uh, Carolina Pro Late Models, I think we're going to see some some new names that haven't run with the series. And we got some hitters coming from Georgia, uh, maybe some from the north to run this race. And they're also going to Florence uh, on the 21st of November, Florence Motor Speedway in South Carolina. Um, and so if you if you're looking for something to do on this Saturday night, um, Go to Hickory Motor Speedway, but get there early because there is a limit to the number of fans being allowed in there. But uh, but there are some. They're going to allow some. So um, get there early and make sure that you're uh, a part of that. That should be a great show. Um, and you can go to uh, hickorymotorspeedway.com uh, and also their uh, Facebook page as well for all of the information on start times and practice times and all of that. But um, usually uh, practice will start mid-afternoon and the show rolls from there. And again, big events, over 400 laps of racing uh, Saturday night at Hickory. Now, also this weekend, if you're in the mood for a little more of a road trip, slightly, um, down in Florence, South Carolina, Florence Motor Speedway is hosting the Smart Modified Tour. Now, the Smart Modified Tour, again, if you haven't kept up, is a relaunched tour for NASCAR-type modifieds that um, has been dormant since 2004. It was the preeminent modified tour in the South for a number of years. I think it started in 1989, so it ran about 
15, 16 years. And then when NASCAR brought their wheel and Southern modified tour series in, it kind of displaced the, uh, the smart tour a little bit. So uh, the smart tour kind of went into a hiatus. And then this year it has been brought back. They've run uh, the opening race that they ran was actually at uh, Caraway Speedway. And they've got a race scheduled there Next weekend on the 24th, it was originally supposed to be this past weekend, got rained out. Uh, so they're going to run it on the 24th. But um, that tour will be at Florence Motor Speedway this coming weekend. 99 lap event. Uh, that has kind of been their standard. And they um, they run it in two stages. The first stage is 30 laps, after which they throw a yellow, just the way NASCAR has been doing it in the uh, uh, Cup Series. And... The leader of stage one gets 300 bucks. Second place gets two and third place gets a hundred. Um, you're allowed to make a pit stop if you'd like, but you don't have to. There are no pit stops mandatory in these modified races, but um, then they throw the green. And from then on, it's just one giant stage to the end, the last 69 laps of the race. So it's basically a two stage event. And what that was designed to do is it was designed to kind of, invoke some different strategy plays among the drivers because some of them are choosing to run real hard in the first 30 laps, chasing that first, second, and third place bonus money, and then make a pit stop and change maybe the right rear tire because you put a little more wear on it to run hard the first 30 than you would if you just kind of sat back in the field. And other drivers choosing not to worry about that, they you know, just run easy and manage the race car and maybe they'll pit around halfway or maybe with 25 to go, or maybe they won't pit at all. Uh, and, and we saw all of those different uh, strategies take place at Caraway and some drivers pitted multiple times. So it really made it an interesting race, the way that that was um, presented and put out there. And, and with the two stage kind of situation, it made it uh, a lot of fun as a fan to watch. Uh, so they'll be at Florence Motor Speedway. And then, of course, they come back to North Carolina for next weekend's Caraway Speedway event. And I'm being told that there may be one more event for that tour scheduled this year in November. It's not a guarantee as yet, but there may be one event added to their schedule. The design was they wanted to run um, I guess you could look at it as some spring training races or some some kind of let's uh, let's go through the motion and get the, the deal down, get the people in place, get some racing under our belts. Um, and then that would give them something to launch forward from to come back full time in 2021. Um, and if you're wondering what the plans are for both Carolina Pro and the Smart Modified Tour, for 2021, neither series has a schedule laid out yet, as you'd probably expect, because it's still early. Um, you won't see schedules until probably late November, early December for either of the series, most likely. But I, I can tell you, I think, safely, that uh, both series intend to run a variety of different tracks in the Carolinas, um, and that there is great interest in both series in 2021 to do just that. So I think the goal from what I'm hearing from uh, officials from both series, I think the goal 
for the Carolina Pro, for example, Keith Graham was on our lead lap show on Monday night, and he he told us that uh, this year, of course, Hickory had six of the nine shows that were scheduled. Um, and But next year, Keith wants to take the series and spread it out more. So I think the intent is to run about 10 races, approximately, at about 10 different tracks. I think that's really what he wants to do is one race per track, at least for the most part. Um, and I think that's what the drivers are in that series are wanting as well. The modified tour looks like it's going to be similar. Uh, same idea. They're going to run a multitude of different racetracks, maybe a track that might get two races for whatever reason. But for the most part, it looks like uh, about 10 races for both tours. And again, um, the goal would be ideally for both tours, one race at each track. So a lot of variety for both tours. Uh, it keeps everything fresh. It, it The drivers love it because, you know, there's no, nobody gets home field advantage. Okay. I got Hickory down. So I've, you know, I'm the guy for five of the five or six races. Um, I've got this track down, you know, I, I'm the guy. Um, I think they like the fact that there's a lot of variety there and there are a lot of tracks that are interested in both tours. Uh, I think next year could be a big year for both series. I know that uh, Keith has some big announcements coming out relevant to the Carolina Pro Late Model Series that should be out probably in the next, uh, hopefully, couple of weeks, a uh, few weeks. And, um, and so that series is going to grow tremendously, I think, for next year. And I do believe that uh, the Smart Modified Tour, once they kind of get more organized and get things in place, is going to have a big year in 2021 as well. So if you want to keep up with those series for the Smart Modified Tour, that's exactly what you type into Facebook. Right now, they don't have a website yet. There is a website called southernmodifieds.com, southernmodifieds.com, that... um, is trying to keep everybody up to date with what's going on on the tour. But you can go to their Facebook, Smart Modified Tour. Um, And that's their their Facebook. Just search that on Facebook and you'll pick up their page. Uh, They're really good about uh, telling you, you know, who's entering the races as they they get the entries in. Um, So a very active Facebook page. Uh, But that's for the Smart Tour, for the Carolina Pro Late Model Series. Again, simple process. They do have a website, carolinaprolatemodelseries.com, or you can go to their Facebook page if you're on Facebook um, and uh, just hit the uh, the like or the follow button, whatever, and you'll keep up with uh, what's going on, on in, in those series. So, again, some big racing locally here, um, and those two uh, series in particular have kept me up to date on what's going on. But, of course, we've got a bunch of big dirt racing as well coming up over the next few weeks, too. So, um, you know, if you're a dirt track fan, keep your eye on the local dirt tracks uh, pages because, again, a lot of things happening on the dirt side as well as on the pavement. But those two were a series that um, we have particular information on and we wanted to make sure that you knew about that we're running tonight. If you're listening to this on SIC on Saturday, it's tonight. Those two smart modifieds at Florence, or you can go to Hickory and watch the fall brawl and get NASCAR late models under the late model street stocks and the Carolina pro late model tour. Um, And uh, either way, it's going to be a great Saturday night for racing. And uh, we hope you get out and enjoy it again. Limited number of fans at Hickory. If you're going to go get there early. Um, Okay. Now, Let's get back to NASCAR for a little bit. Um, Silly season, 
chugging on. Latest rumor, because, shoot, rumors are only good if you spread them, right? Latest indication. We all were thinking maybe Ty Dillon in the 43 for Richard Petty Motorsports. Well, if you believe the pundits, um, this week, the latest is that Eric Jones is actually the leading candidate to uh, get in that car and uh, take over the, the, the controls in 2021. And again, Eric is young. He's very marketable. He's coming off to, I would argue, pretty successful years at Joe Gibbs Racing. Of course, uh, he's being replaced there by Christopher Bell, who gets brought over from the farm team of the year, uh, Levine Family Racing, which is being, that's been sold. And, um, Spire Motorsports will take over the assets of that team and their shop and such, and will field the two-car team in Cup next year um, as a Chevy team, I believe. And so what you've got is uh, you've got Eric Jones now out looking for a ride. And things have been relatively quiet about him for the last several weeks or so. Everybody's been presuming it's going to be Kyle Larson as the fourth Hendrick driver in the 88 slash five slash 57, whatever number they want to put on the car for next year, but it would be the current, current 48 team. And uh, so Eric is going to, um, Eric is, it looks like it's not done yet. No official word, but the latest is we could see Eric Jones in the 43. And we're going to talk about where that might leave Ty Dillon and what else is going on um, in the news department right after this. Stay with us. More of the Inside Pass coming up. This is Justin Loft, and you're listening to the best guys on the radio, the Inside Pass. Welcome back to the Inside Pass as we uh, wrap things up. For another week here on the show, uh, about, uh, well, 10 minutes or so left uh, in the show. My name is Tom Baker, and Nikea James has been uh, a most outstanding producer once again today. We appreciate her and uh, all the folks of WSIC for uh, supporting the show and broadcasting the show. And look forward to listening to PRNs at the Track, which comes up next here on our Saturday morning 90-minute horsepower hour. Uh, we hope you enjoy uh, listening to all of the motorsports coverage and uh, look forward to much more to come. Okay, we were talking NASCAR and we opined that it appeared uh, that Eric Jones was now the leading candidate for the 43. Now, you know, when you see writers talk about this, I mean, a lot of times it's based on inside info, but um, sometimes it's just based on general scuttlebutt that we hear from our contacts in the garage. And when you have a situation like the 43 car, it's, it's fun to sort of look at, well, how does this happen or how, how does this, well, you know, you, you sort of look at what's available at any given moment. Silly season is sort of a rolling fluid situation. So you look at best car available and you start looking at best driver available and, and, you know, could we make a match out of these things? Is there any evidence to support or, you know, is there any reason to think that maybe? Um, and so I think that there are many people, including myself, by the way, who thought that when Eric Jones was let go from Joe Gibbs Racing and became available for 2021, that Rick Hendrick would look at Eric and he would become the leading candidate for 
uh, the replacement of Jimmy Johnson. Well, technically, Alex Bowman replaced Jimmy. They sort of moved, they're moving the sponsor and the number from the current 48 team to the current 88 team. So that's going to become the 48. Alex Bowman technically goes into the 48. So now they need a replacement for um, the team that uh, that Johnson is currently racing for, which Cliff Daniels heads up. And it it became a story early on that it looked like it was going to be Kyle Larson. And so as that's kind of been teased out there and um, and it's gained some traction, then... What happens to Eric Jones? So you look at, well, could he go into the 14 car for Stuart Haas if Clint Boyer leaves? Well, probably not, because Chase Briscoe was making a great case that he should be moved up from Xfinity to Cup. And, of course, being a Ford uh, a Ford driver, Ford driver development driver, Ford's going to want him in Cup when they believe he's ready. I think after eight wins and counting, we believe he's ready. And so I'm expecting any minute now, if it hasn't already happened between the time we recorded this show and the time it airs on WSIC um, at, uh, you know, on Saturday morning, I'm, I believe any minute you're going to get a Briscoe announcement to the 14. That car would be off the table. The 42 car was on the table. Ross Chastain filled that ride. So that's out. Bubba Wallace was available. Now he's not. He's driving for Denny Hamlin, Michael Jordan, and a brand new team that's being created for next year. They bought the Jermaine Racing Charter, and the Jermaine Racing team is going away. So that that takes Ty Dillon and puts him on the table now. He's in the pool. And so, again, looking at the 43 car, that car has been an RCR affiliate car for the last uh, few years. And Ty Dillon, obviously, is the grandson of Richard Childress, so one would think that that would be a great fit. Well, not so fast. So now it appears Eric Jones may end up in that car, but again, it could be all changed by the time we come back next week. But if Eric goes to that car, where does Ty go? Well, we know the 32 is going to be available because Corey LaJoy has announced he's leaving. So you could see perhaps Ty go to the 32 but that's a Ford, or has been, not a Chevy. So that would take Ty out of the Chevrolet family. What's available in the Chevrolet family that we know of right now? Nothing. <laughs> that's really that the 43 is the only car that we know of, other than maybe a Spire car that's available uh, in the Chevrolet family. And so perhaps, you know, we'll see. But Ty now, his situation gets a little murkier. Um, and, and again, with uh, Boyer being out, we know he's leaving and he's going to the Fox booth. We think the 14's being filled by Briscoe. So really what that leaves is Eric Jones and Ty Dillon as probably the two best drivers available. And you've got the 43 car sitting out there. One of them, more than likely, I maybe Corey LaJoy because he's driven for the organization before, but I doubt it. Um, we think maybe the 37 might be available if Ryan Priest goes to the 98 car to replace Briscoe in the Xfinity series, which has been rumored. But again, there's not a, a big head of steam around that right now. So we don't know. Um, this silly season is far from over. There still could be, a driver like a Ryan Newman who could decide to retire. We don't know. 
Um, so this is there's a lot to come here, but every week we get a little bit more of an inkling uh, about where everybody's going to land, and we're getting down to the end of the season. So my guess is that you're going to see a flurry of silly season announcements between now and championship weekend at uh, Phoenix. You're going to see a bunch of announcements, and not just in Cup, but in Xfinity and even the truck series as well. We did see that Zane Smith re-signed with the GMS 21 truck team that he's uh, racing for this year. He's going to do another year with them in 2021. I think that's awesome because I do believe that Zane Smith um, could very well win a championship with another year, and, and, and I don't know that he's out of it this year. Um, so there definitely is a lot to come here across NASCAR's national divisions. Uh, whether you're uh, in the mood to get to a local race or whether you're in the mood to just sit back and watch NASCAR or whatever else is on TV for racing, we hope that you uh, enjoy your racing weekend. We hope you have a safe racing weekend, and we look forward to seeing you back on next week's Inside Pass. Our thanks to WSIC and uh, Randy Miller. Hopefully, we'll be back next week and alongside me. Uh, looking forward to that. So have a great week, everybody. Until next time, I'm Tom Baker. So long.